This is Up The Creek, the definitive Jonathan Creek podcast with your host, my good friend Daniel Krupa and me, Gav Murphy. Today, we're untangling the death of a police officer, evading a murder and working out what that buzzing sound is. So on this podcast, we talk about Jonathan Creek via the effect, the method, and the reveal. Daniel, what is the effect of the coonskin cap? A killer is on the loose, and a police sergeant is strangled within a locked gymnasium with no possible way for the killer to have escaped. I mean, that, that's 30 <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> but it, like, it's really strange, isn't it? Because it starts with this... Uh, so it's what is it? Eyes and ears. It's called eyes and ears. <laughs> we should talk about that in just a general context. About <laughs> so eyes and ears is the crime watch style show that is now yeah. being hosted by Carla Borrego. It's like unsolved crime rather than paranormal crime, right? Yeah, it's not. So in the next episode, they talk about having a section for impossible crimes. Right, Cause okay. Because um, Brendan Baxter, played by Adrian Edmondson, who is the producer of the show and also Carlos' husband, he brings in Jonathan for a new segment on the show. But also the remit of the show is we do the detective work as well. So it's not just reporting on crime. It's it The show is actively involved in restaging crimes, and kind of got an investigative streak to it. Yeah, and it feels quite current as well. It's not like looking back at like unsolved mysteries or anything like that. It's this is a this is a killer that is on the loose. It happened yeah. the other day. Murdered two people so far. Murdered two people so far. And then yeah, and then they do a reenactment and they try to and more murders it, try and happen. Is it standard <laughs> in reenactments for police sergeants to play the primary people? <laughs> and also some police just to play themselves as well yeah. like what's what's the rules what's the rules do they still do do they still do like big police reenactments i tried looking this up to see if they if they do you, but you want to get involved yeah because the idea is that like someone will see on tv will see Ooh. something that'll jog Ooh. their memory yeah. or something and dig up some new clues and but i feel like this is only something i ever see on tv shows or movies and stuff like that yeah. like as a mechanic i'm not sure if they do because it's quite i guess it is quite dramatic mm. but i think you're right though even if they do the police sergeants definitely ain't playing the characters I don't know, maybe they do it just seems weird that she's reading her lines almost like an actress i do like um carla borrego who last time we met her the first time we met her mm. um in Satan's Chimney was a theatrical agent and then very hastily at the beginning of this episode she's now a TV presenter Look, I didn't have to trek out here today it was your husband wanted to rope me in Well, absolutely I should hope it wasn't me and I'll thank you to stop giving me those dry, cynical looks all the time as well Dry, cynical looks? The ones that say since when did you become a TV presenter Well, not that it's any of your business but I did actually spend three years on a regional magazine programme after I finished my media studies course so I can't. Do you know what I can't get? Because so uh, Edwin Ebenson comes into this. So like we've had Rick Mail, one half of bottom. Now we've one got half the other. Bottom. Now we've got the other half of the bottom. The other, the other cheek. What I don't understand, and what I just cannot understand, because like it's not a spoiler to say, but like Adrian Ebenson, like Brendan Baxter, that character becomes like a little recurring character, because um, he's he's Carla Borrego's husband. Why are they so wholly unlikable? Why, why have you why have you made these characters who are now going to be B characters? Why have you made them c**ts? I hate well, them. This is the weird thing. He seems nice enough in some sense, but actually he acts like an idiot and dick. Yeah. 
that's the thing. He's not actively unpleasant to anyone. But the way he carries himself is horrible. Yeah. He just ignores her. He's on the phone in bed. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. I meant, to, like, I watch TV because I want to I wanna spend time with characters. And yeah, there are, like, obviously unlikable people as well in really popular TV shows. I don't get the point of these personalities. They are really unlikable. It's very hard to... She is so angry. I know Maddie used to be angry at Jonathan. Maybe we'll tackle this a bit later in Jonathan Love Update. Yeah. She's just so angry. And I realize there's a lot of history that we've had elided for us here. That actually this episode gets into a little bit. Let's talk, we should, in this first bit, I think also just talk about the new setup for Jonathan here. Because obviously Maddie's long gone. And that was a very neat way of him being introduced to these crimes. So they need a new pretense for him getting these crimes in front of him. So... It's very Renwick, I think, having this show within a show. Like in previous episodes, we've already had him flirting with the idea of TV production and having these self-referential comments. Um, And in this, you know, this new season, he just goes all in on it and has a show within a show. But I don't get why Jonathan... I know the recurring thing we say is Jonathan's actually bored of his day profession. He finds it creatively unstimulating. So he's drawn to this. But he seems pretty down on the show in general. He calls it voyeuristic trash. And yet he's still on it, mate. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. He didn't want to be involved in the cases that Maddie was taking him along on to. But now and again, she was tricking him into it. There was something in him that maybe liked the case, but also liked spending time with her. Absolutely. That's what we always used to say about those early episodes. So that's absolutely fine. I don't know what's going on here because he hates the show, but he seemingly, like, you don't become a co presenter <laughs> on a TV show by accident. He's like, really they're high minded <laughs> about it. It's like, you're on it, mate. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of. Also, if, if you are that high minded about it and you are that against it, there's plenty of opportunities to go, actually, I don't fancy doing this, to be honest. Yeah. Can we stage um, this in a slightly different way? Yeah, no thanks. I don't want to be part of um, it. Yeah, when we um, when we confront the killer, can it be less like Beatles about? Um, yeah, you have to film it with your ex-partner. There's a time jump of here about two years. So yeah. if we treat real world time as in-show time, mm. they've potentially had a relationship for, I don't know how long they've been broken up. It's long enough for her to meet someone and get married, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they were together for a year. It seemed like a fairly serious relationship. Yeah, I I was thinking more like three to four months, like a a, a huge chunk of time. He was just about to meet her parents. In my mind, that's always like three months-ish. Like... I, I was I was kind of thinking like that, but like a good a good old chunk of time. It wasn't a couple of dates. It was full on. And also within the context of Jonathan, first relationship we've known him to have. So the method is that Sergeant Davy is murdered by a jealous commanding officer who has a passion for gadgetry. <laughs> he loves the gizmos. Loves the gizmos. Her bulletproof vest uh, had a concealed device that, when activated, restricted her breathing, smothering her to death. What a death. That is cool, to be fair. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like anytime you put... It's someone I always think about when you put on like those life jackets on plane and it just like inflates around you like that. Yeah. I really, well, I really like getting my, um, like he has, blood pressure. That's, yeah, the blood pressure thing, which is one of the things that make, helps him solve it. It really, uh, I really love getting those things on because you're just like, oh, what if it goes too much? <laughs> it's like the coonskin cap. Yeah. Also, the episode's called Coonskin Cap. has very little to do with the actual episode. I think that is one of the stupidest things in a lot of Jonathan Creeks where you just go, 
they saw him wearing uh, a frontiersman cap. And then when you see what it is, and it's basically a lady's hair. It looks nothing like it. You'd never go to, oh, it, must, it looks like a Davy Crockett hat. You'd be like, looks like a lady with a fucking ponytail is what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they even, it looks so little like it. Like, like in the end, when you see her and Carla having like that tussle in their flat, they even Knocks show, her out. They, show the, um, they show the shadow of oh. her hair. And when it cuts back to her, the hair is not even anywhere close oh, to being that like, shape. That, is, that shadow is not from that at all. It's so bad. But I feel like as a, a director, as a writer, as a producer of a TV show, if you have to go out your way to make that shadow, then you know that that's not believable. So why are you basing your entire thing on it? Because I don't yeah. think that that needs to be in it. It's such all. a prominent... Yeah, call it the B inside the gym. Whatever. Doesn't, it just doesn't um, need to be it. Just as a slight tangent with when the uh, the real killer approaches them. Mm. I think she's called Moira. It's too dangerous. You want some information? Come to my place. Tonight. Oh. oh. But you must come alone. Okay? Promise. You come alone. They immediately drive to that destination. Yeah. Is Moira legging it home on the tube? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit weird, actually. Uh, but in that scene, Carla is very capable. Absolutely knocks her out against them. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I think that's the thing that kind of annoys me the more I see about Carla is there are elements to her personality that I go, oh, actually, no, I like this person. She's a fucking badass. But unfortunately, you've dressed it up for whatever reason in a really, really annoying person. Yeah. Um, like there's a bit where I think for, they've got a sticker and she's like, oh, no, no, stickies. Very bad for my calf leather. Who the fuck are you? What, what's like, going on here? Yeah, I don't think it's quite settled on what her character is because there's that scene in Satan's Chimney where she just has loads of shopping bags from the designer shops. Yeah. But it's not that integral to her character. No. And uh, that, but also as well, it's like she's a very capable person. Like she comes to a lot of conclusions and she works things out. Yeah. Why have you made her such a prick? Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. It does my head in. Because also then you can't understand why Jonathan was with her for so long. Is it just bad writing? Is it yeah. that you don't really know how to write a good female character? Is it you just don't think, know how? I think it's that. I think there's a pressure to make her different from Maddie, but you know that dynamic works, so you don't want to make it too different. Yeah. But it feels like this kind of strand we see through running through quite a lot of the main ladies in Jonathan's lives is almost like an impatience with him. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's like quite cute and impatience. You're like, oh, you you know, you drive me out up the wall. Sometimes it's just like, I feel like a lot of these women don't even like him. So I don't know yeah. why they're in his life. Yeah. Because I think the best moments, I think Maddie was intrigued by it and she liked the cat and mouse of it all. Mm. Carla just seems to hate it. Yeah, <laughs> that really winds her up. On I don't a know what she, I don't know what she's getting out of it. I really don't. But that in Saints Trinity, she was just seen. She was portrayed as desperate for any man. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> back back to Inspector Ted. Part of it. Well, I guess the so the 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 fate the real killer is used to conceal his crime. And so before we even get to the gym, we have the bit where the shooting at the reenactment. 
Yes. And that purely exists. Well, one, we see Ted's pro- prowess with gadgetry yeah. <laughs> again, but also so they start wearing flat jackets. That's right, yeah. So he does that, so they'll have to wear flat jackets at future incidents. Therefore, he can give her the rigged one. Yeah. And there's a few decent-ish clues, I think. I don't think you'd ever guess it, really, because it's so no. wild as a contraption. Th- yeah, and I think like that's the thing. They latch onto this sound of a bumblebee, and I, in my head, I don't remember. I, anytime I've had my blood pressure taken, I'm not like, oh, that sounds like a bee. Bumblebee, yeah. <laughs> Whereas Jonathan has ha- happens to have a, a home blood pressure device that sounds, sounds like, like a bee. Because um, I thought it would have been really good if he was like, if he brings back, you know, one of the contract. Like we saw him uh, measuring his... Um, wasn't blood pressure then was it? it was his heart rate so, yeah. so like you know we know that he does that kind it's of stuff it's been a hypochondriac yeah yeah so that's fine but the clue is not a clue when it only pertains to something that you have in your own house i don't think that's fair to say that we've given the audience <laughs> that bit enough to solve it because you just go oh i've got something in my house oh something we've never seen in fucking 19 episodes yeah good good that's great you know you know how much I love this. <laughs> I'm always um, going on about my bumblebee uh, blood pressure monitor. Come on. Um, I think this is also not a very good clue. Uh, and there's blood on the flak jacket that doesn't belong to Sergeant Davy. Mm. And Jonathan seems, oh, why? what's the reason? I think about cutting yourself, like cutting your own throat. And he goes, oh, yeah. what other reason there is? Shaving. Is he shaving in his flak jacket? Or oh, I guess maybe he'd cut himself earlier. and Yeah, but, but you... You put I don't a know, bit I, of paper on it. I don't, also, that I don't does, shave, also, so I don't know what also, happens. I guess that, that's modern razors, but yeah. I don't think people cut themselves shaving anymore. Wait, I'll, th- I'll put that in a category. Come back to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, I, I don't shave, so I don't I don't know how dangerous it is to shave. But even when I was shaving when I was a kid, I remember not. But I it, do remember my dad shaving and ha- like having the stereotypical bits of toilet paper. But is that, though, like... It's like a cartoon. That's in the 90s when they were shaving with actual razor blades, right? Rather yeah. than, you know, yeah, safety razors kitchen, now. He used to get like bread knife or yeah. like, kitchen knife. <laughs> um, like, yeah, the things like cutting yourself shaving is something, again, that you see all the time in films and TV, but actually doesn't happen all that often. Um, um, there's another clue. And this yeah. kind of links into one of the epiphanies mm. is she says on her radio, you bastard, you'll never get away. Yeah. And it sounds like she's cut off in what she's about to say. So yeah, the stereotypical yeah. thing where you never get away with this. Yeah. But Jonathan realizes through his own story with Carla about mm. her dad misunderstanding what he was saying. Because oh, yeah. Jonathan has hiccups. So they broke up. This is the thing. They broke up because Carla thinks Jonathan calls her dad a prick. Yeah. But Jonathan was actually saying a prickly gentleman. <laughs> and he hiccups after the first syllable. What? That tight. <laughs> also, even if you hiccup, do you not hear the second bit of what he's saying? Yeah. It's just and like- also, at what point do you break up and never have that conversation at the time? Yeah. Uh, it, but also as well as that, you just go, you go, prick- gentleman sorry what was that second thing you said then um like oh it was it was unrelated to the thing you were saying before was it like what that doesn't also, happen also oh breaking up why oh i'm not telling you yeah all right <laughs> you just broke it up with me why it's so odd that is really yeah odd, that is. and then that's also in that exact same scene also 
I feel like this is things in Renwick's notebook are bringing together is he wants to tell the story about Munch's the scream that he's heard about it yeah. being a symbol of ambiguity because it's yeah. a really good way of seeing like magic theory of looking something and interpreting it in a different way to have a different impression of what's going yeah, on yeah yeah so it's kind of nice I do like that yeah um, but I don't think I don't, you need that on top of the prickly gentleman story because it's kind of I don't know yeah, it kind of undoes it a little bit, isn't it? Because I like the munched scream thing because it's it's it feels classy and it feels natural. Whereas introducing a story where it's just that any normal rational human being is like that is bollocks. The same with right undoes it. Yeah, yeah. Same with the hair hairstyle and the hat. Like any normal human being is looking at that going. Well, that's bollocks. Like, you just undo the actual good work that you do for the rest of the episode with just absolute fantastical things. I just... Does he write all these stuff by himself and there's no one allowed to go, Dave, mate, no, that doesn't make any sense. Because I'd like to think I, I that... I think this problem with maybe some British TV compared to a, a writer's room. Yeah. Because also there's a lot of pressure to come up with all the ideas. And mm. there's something he's talked about publicly about how the episodes become more infrequent. Mm. Is he, it, there, are hard, there are hard things to come up with. And even when you get one, they're not all going to be as strong as the other ones because it's quite a tricky remit for a show, I think. I know, that's the thing. I know that it's not... Um, like The cool thing about it is it doesn't feel procedural. It doesn't feel like every episode is the same and f- follows the similar beats and stuff like that. But if it did, and just every episode was based on a magic trick, yeah, and this... the ma- the magic trick then is then used in the murder. I think th- you and I, I wouldn't mind. Like <laughs> no, and I think we're gonna see. We've seen it just recently, but we'll see more in this series. Episodes yeah. become way more free form. <laughs> yeah, and kind of. Um, uh, yeah, a bit more experimental. Exper- this is avant-garde Jonathan Creek now, season four. Um, yeah. I actually, watching this again, I didn't know if this was a clue, mm. but I don't. Doesn't he never comes back to it? Jonathan has a go at Brendan being a shoulder squeezer because he squeezes Jonathan's shoulders quite a few times. Oh, right, and I almost yeah. thought, because I noticed it and I knew what the <laughs> trick was and the method about being... I thought he was going to use that as an epiphany at one point. No, right, it's just, okay, yeah. just something Jonathan hates about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is really strange, um, isn't it? Like, that's the thing. I think that it does... When it's when it's revealed to you, I think it does make sense. And yet, like, it is... All the bits are in place. And you go, oh, okay, yeah. But it's, it's a, oh, rather I, than, oh. <laughs> I genuinely hate it's a gadget. Yeah. So in exactly the same way as the curious tale of Mr. Spearfish, I don't like resorting to gadgetry. Gizmos. As a way of ga- gizmos. Because <laughs> they have to set up that he's into gadgetry when the airbag goes off in his office. Oh my God. And they open the drawer Christ, yeah. and it's just a bit of circuit board and a light. Yeah. And then he uses um, gadgetry to create the bullet holes in the window. Yeah. And this is a gadget. Because at that point, and I said this on the Spearfish episode, at that point where you just have a gadget, it's like that Arthur C. Clarke thing. At yeah. what point does a gadget that someone makes become just another form of magic? Yeah. Because then you can get technology that you don't understand to do anything. Absolutely, yeah. And it's kind of what Jonathan dismisses in The Restless Tomb, episode one. Episode one, we've said when this before. It's just like, it, it's, he literally says how bollocks it is. And it's a textbook explanation. And it's just yeah. you can make gadgets do any heavy lifting for you. 
And I hate yeah. that this is just, oh, he's done gadgets. Because I guess, like, he's not making that. No. Uh, like, we've, we've had fucking gun acts. And that's the thing. It's, it is bad writing. And I'm sorry to say, because what it is, you're just writing yourself a get a J free card. And you're just yeah. going like, what do I need to be able to do this? Okay, well, and I guess you could argue that it's him thinking like an engineer for a magic trick and you go, right, how do I reverse engineer this magic trick? But that's the thing, it's over-engineered. So you just go, it's not plausible. It's, it's almost not an explanation. No. Because it becomes in itself just another box. Yeah. And you just go, oh, it's this thing that did it. Rather than that beautiful simplicity of going, ah, oh, I've seen this in a new way and I've revealed yeah. something. You don't get that little thrill of no. finding something out. You just go, oh, it's a gadget. All right. Yeah. And that's the thing is, it's like, well, I think part of this, I, I've said from the start, is like part of the reason that I love Jonathan Creek or the good ones is that it gives you everything that you need to be able to work out, to, to work out the solution. But you can't say here, oh, well, it give you everything you need because it said that he was into making gadgets. Yeah, like, as soon well, as you no, see, that's bollocks. As, as soon as you see that, it should be a big red flag going, it's going to be that. Yeah. Because <laughs> not He's a killer. if any episode you just go, how do they do it? Probably some kind of uh, advanced tech. I yeah. want it to be some kind of manipulation of your senses. Absolutely. As yeah. magic is. Whereas this is just... Because there are actually... So early in the year, I went to that magic convention. And there's yeah. loads of tricks you can buy that are thousands of pounds. Yeah. And they just involve technology. Right. And it's just kind of something about them that I feel is not very magical. Just, again, it's the over-engineering of it. When some of those effects can be achieved through skill and just yeah. ingenuity. Um, well, I think, the, yeah, it's like the best tricks there's tricks that i've seen i've seen a lot of tricks done with mobile phones that i just go oh well it's just something in the mobile phones but then i've seen a lot of good tricks done with mobile phones as yeah. well where they just go right we're not using the mobile phone as the solution for how we're doing it mm. we're just using it as part of the trick and you yeah. and we're using it well and you're like oh well i'm into that that's really good there's um i went to this lecture about a guy who does a lot of phone magic and the most amazing thing he did was he does stuff on the phone but he uses almost settings that are built in the phone in ways right. that I've never thought of doing. Okay. And features most people don't know about to create effects. And you're like, mm. that's ingenious because you've seen something that everyone has access to and you've yeah. seen it in fundamentally a different way. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Rather I than like you've built an app. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, that's the difference, that's it. isn't this it? Is, he's like... building an app. He's building a gadget. <laughs> He builds several. If, it, if this was today, you go, oh, you love Ted. He loves building apps. Yeah, he makes apps all the time. <laughs> you stop being so soggy and just... Ah! Ah! Oh, my God. Is that like an airbag or something? Ah, oh, good. Decompression valve seems to have righted itself then. Excuse my little passion for gadgetry, but uh, security here is notoriously unreliable. The cool thing about this reveal is that it's on telly. <laughs> it's so strange. I think Would they should this all be allowed? Like that. <laughs> I mean, how'd you cut the police were there? He was there. <laughs> it's it's wild. So is this what they like? And they—that's the thing. It's like that Adrian Edmondson character is so—I just don't like him so much. But he—he he feels so cheap because he's talking about the ratings are going to be through the roof for this because they basically like pull what's his name brendan baxter no not brendan baxter inspector ted's pants down live on telly 
But um, there's also this one little line that just floats back. Like, obviously, we can't show this until it's gone to court. So there's, they're putting it in the can. Um, but he says it's, he uses the phrase a lot, water cooler moment. Mm. This is what he thinks this will be. Um, yes. But so Ted is, we've we've known, I guess you get a little indication that Ted has some quite extreme views early in the episode when he talks about bringing back the death penalty. And he mentions yes. three different forms of corporal punishment. He yes. loves it. <laughs> but when you see the flashback scenes, I feel like they said in this episode, you get given so much information about these characters that are not important until yeah. right at the end. Like you have no idea about their relate. In previous episodes of Jonathan Creek, the main players are established up top and you yeah. have some indication who they are and what they're about. Because we've got all this new TV show, we don't meet Ted and Davey at all, really. No. You have no sense of what their connection is, relationship or anything until it's all squeezed into the final reveal. But I also feel like the way that it's done is quite cheap because it shows you half a scene. And it and I know that is quite a magic thing of doing is like you, you know, you look, but you didn't look. Well, no, I can't look when you cut away to a different scene. And so then you make me think that they've got this really intense relationship, but actually you're just not showing me the last bit of the scene where she's not interested in him at all. Like, I feel like that is really cheap. <laughs> Cause then when it does like the flashback thing at the end, it's not flashback, flashing back to something. Oh, if you'd actually looked, you would have been able to see this. Uh, yeah, well, I can't see if you've cut away, can I? <laughs> I can't see her touching up the handyman because of a bus. I can't see that. I she can't is. see, like, you've basically made out that they're going to be, he's proposing to her, and it's actually, and like, then there's another five minutes of that scene where she's a dick to him. Also, is this not just like, it's not as if they're just together and maybe she's cheating. Mm. She's horrible to him. She's ravenous. Yeah. He's insane. It's, yeah. it's, everything is turned up to 11 immediately. Yeah, because there's even a bit where where it flashes back and and uh, he's like, "Oh, do you want to come around tonight?" And, oh no, I'm not seeing you three nights in a row. Three should be enough for a man your age. Like, why are you going out with him? It's so mean yeah. to him. <laughs> what are you getting out of this? I guess promotion. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's but, the thing. It's, but then also it's really even, sad as well because it just goes, oh, yeah, I didn't want uh, people to think that that's how she climbed the ladder. Um, you're like, but actually that is how she did it. Absolutely. You can't also, say that. Uh, also, it looks like he's going to propose, but gives her a necklace and then immediately tries to strangle her with it. <laughs> yeah, like twice. It's really intense. <laughs> I feel like if I, if I give someone a necklace, or if I give my girlfriend a necklace and then like held it tight like that, so it would make a <laughs> thing. She'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? This is insane. I think it's probably a red flag. Yeah. She's like, right. But like, she's like, oh, calm down, mate. Bit kinky. He's like, no, he's trying to strangle you. <laughs> yeah. So all the main antagonists in this and the victim, they're really... This is all contained in the very end of the episode. Yeah. So you have well, way I, less connection to the mystery, I think, here. And then on top of that, you've got the beeline of resolving the actual murderer. Yeah. A lot happens in this one. Yeah. It, it's and that's what I mean. It's like, it is unfocused. And I think that's why, ultimately, it's quite unsatisfying as an episode and as a concept and as a through line because there's just no possible way you could have followed it properly, I don't think. Oh, careful! You're trying to strangle me. I think I want this cheap tat round my throat. For God's sake, Ted, get a grip on yourself. Okay, we've had the effect, the method, and the reveal, but there are other elements which make up every episode of Jonathan Creek. First up, 
the Victor Meldrew Award for most unbelievable scene. Um, I mean, all the gadget stuff, mm. the airbag, giant airbag going off. The giant airbag is ridiculous. Also, I said it last episode. See, it just I doesn't don't, work. I don't know what's going on with the music in this because it is just, it's a sitcom soundtrack now. Like you get Dance Macabre at the top. The rest of it is... And it's what it, it's it's just like this is a sitcom now. I I, do, I honestly don't know, and this this will happen for so many performances in it. I I think some people are acting in one type of show, and some people are acting in another type of show. Like some people have gone, oh, you're going to be in the new David Renwick show. What is it? Oh, he used to, he did one foot in the grave. Right, I'm in sitcom mode. Mm. That's it now. I'm going to yeah. be a fucking cartoon. I'm going to be slipping and sliding all over the place. And other people are in a serious murder drama. It, it is insane. The tone of this show is bonkers for some um, episodes. I mean, I think the Meldrew Awards are going to have more nominees this season. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, we touched on it briefly, even though it happens in recollection, the situation of him calling her dad a prick and being misunderstood because <laughs> yeah. it's that kind yeah. of misunderstanding the Meldrew the world is against you and you didn't even yeah. realise it until it happened yeah yeah and also uh, like you're, you as you say like don't even realise it'll happen and also you're going around living your life not knowing uh, yeah. that it's gone wrong I think there's one outstanding candidate there Velma yeah and what happens at the end oh A streaker at a funeral. Vel, I think like Velma's thing from the start, she is in a different show. Let me tell you. Little Bryn? I don't know if you recall the little charity raffle I agreed to sport back in the summer. Action on osteoporosis. First prize, a magic night out with Adam Klaus. Actually, it was second prize. First prize was a tumble dryer. <laughs> the way that she acts and is being string fellows can we the show's really horrible <laughs> just openly mocking her it's horrible it's really not nice and i know like yeah they are doing it through adam but jonathan's not coming out of that scene particularly good to be fair no, he's kind of laughing at adam's fate i do really like that they kill her. <laughs> there's yeah. something quite wild about that even though it's not on but that is like, quite sitcom though death not having a consequence yeah completely. until the final episode when it's a hit and run <laughs> yeah that's the thing it's like they talk about it and then they just move on instantly poor Velma does he have to go to her funeral nowhere I think he's just being it's nice, nice. because yeah. he's probably well, with her when, he, when she died yeah um, but the yeah, streaker the streaker plot just so he can, that exists just to get him in at the end of a funeral yeah I guess so because it's odd isn't it also, the actor playing the funeral, the, the actor playing the streaker. Yeah, he's pretty bad. He's weird. He's do you really do you have anything else for Victor Velder Award? No, because we can use the streaker to be fair. Because like, I think in the things that stated the most, I think streaking is probably there. Felt like felt like streaking was a bigger thing at some point in our lives, like sporting events and live events and things like that. Whereas now, you don't I really mean, get streakers. Is it because we just have way easier access to pictures of naked people? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> And also, I think if you started boiling down why you're streaking, I bet there's probably some really not on sexual motivation going there. That it's not probably... like I'm doing this for a laugh. I'm. It's more like I'm getting sexual gratification out of showing my bits to people who don't want to see them. 
Maybe there's other outlets for that now that benefit you more than getting in prison. You just make money from it. Hiccups as like a plot device. I like because it. Because I, I think that's just insane now. <laughs> like, I feel like the, even though that that is in our Mel Drew thing, I just, I just think you just wouldn't get away with something like that because it's just so weak and it's so yeah. thin that you just go i i don't think you, you can base an more entire... sophistication on yeah something you like can't that. base an entire end of a relationship for the main characters around that unfortunately i don't think it has moved on that much i was just thinking back to like i watched um uh, the second jurassic world so in jurassic world the main lady and man uh, have been on a date it didn't work out they get together in Jurassic World but then for there to be some tension in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom <clears throat> they obviously have to break up off screen so but the, the way that they write it is they've written like oh you wanted to go away uh, around you wanted to have a relationship in a van and you wanted us to go around driving a van so we broke up and you're like I spent two and a bit hours yeah, watching this relationship building this relationship up only for you guys to go ah don't worry I'm not going to care about it in this second film now because you've shown to me that this relationship cannot handle anything so I don't care anymore like yeah. you can't have this it's like, a bit of a slap in the face isn't it to invest yeah. in a character and then <laughs> be tantalised over three seasons yeah <laughs> and then she's in Texas she's just in Texas now that's breaking it breaking your gone. heart I know uh, uh, well, so you got anything most, else to? Uh, well, now I'm putting in um, cutting yourself shaving. Yeah, for sure. That, that doesn't happen with modern razor blades. Or when was the last time you cut your? When was the, you're going to cut no. yourself shaving now soon? No, I've got like a, I've got a Phillips thing that I don't think you can cut yourself with it. Oh, like an electric one? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah um, maybe I've not. got a, a couple. Carla lighting up cigarettes. Yeah, inside, but just in a prime time TV show. Yeah. Aimed at a family. It's weird because that doesn't even happen in the preceding seasons. There are some weird, like, I've put this in the next episode, but, like, Renwick does have a weird relationship with smoking. And, mm. like, now and again, they, like, there are characters who come in who will have a cigarette in their hand, but they won't light it up. Mm. And I don't know why it is. Like, they're in um, Ghost Forge, Mimi has a cigarette for an, almost an entire scene in uh, yeah, uh, in yeah. Maddie's flat. but she, And she's playing with it and she's going as if she's going to smoke it, but she never lights it up. He has a really, he's got a weird relationship with cigarettes, man. Women's it's smoking. really odd. Yeah, but yeah. Carla just lights up in Brendan's office. It's yeah. the cue that reveals that they're together for Jonathan when Brendan lights her cigarette. Yeah, This yeah. is the other one. This is maybe a bit of a subtle one, but bottle water as a status symbol. Yeah. <laughs> Adam and particularly Brendan drink bottled water as a thing. And I imagine yes. in two thousand early two thousands that oh. was a thing. Whereas now, absolutely just not a thing having a bottle of water. But back then definitely. And it's Evion as well. A hundred percent when I, I I I think this is so I moved to London posh, posh, no. twelve years ago, I think, something like that. And one of my first jobs, so this would have been about ten years ago, we had a producer who she had a big bottle, a big empty Fiji water bottle, which she'd obviously had from somewhere. And she used that as a water bottle. And she was just filling it up from the taps and stuff. But like, she would always have this bottle of Fiji water on her desk in meetings and things like that. And you could tell she, she you know, she wanted people to know, oh, she's got Fiji water. That's expensive yeah. water, you know? You could tell that she wanted people to go, oh, Fiji water. She's uh, filling it up. Do you know what I mean? And she's just filling up. We see her fill it up from the taps and stuff like that. Like, 
so weird. Uh, one time there was Diet Coke in there and we were like, all right, this is insane now. <laughs> Fiji Coke, that's amazing. She, she just, because we used to have free cans of Coke in uh, my, just poured my place it in. at work. She just poured, must have poured a can of Coke into it, but it was such a big bottle. It was only like half full. It's, it's fucking weird. That was really minging inside. If she didn't really strange. But I, th- I think that's absolutely bang on the water thing. That's a great one for that. I meant to mention this in the main episode. I think you could kind of smuggle it in here is the visual effects on Adam's theatre. Because the previous episode, he was in the Sondheim Theatre where Les Mis is. Yeah. This one, he's in Seven Dials. Yes. In the Cambridge Theatre. Yeah. And while it's his picture up top, I paused it and I look at the signs below. They didn't change the signs below. Oh, no. So one of them says, great songs. Because <laughs> originally when I saw that, I thought it was where we saw ghost stories. But it's not. It's like this. It's got that same shape um, it's, but um, it's in seven white, does yeah. a white exterior yeah it's one Matil- matilda, matilda was there for it yeah yeah mm. um but I've, I've never seen matilda i've just walked past it a million times oh, that is wild they never changed the thing you, unless <laughs> unless he's got songs in it now also to be fair i know that that what he was doing was actually pretty bad the rest of that trick though i was like this looks great <laughs> I tell you what, for that one scene, they put a hell of a lot of production value into creating that set, haven't they? His makeup looks amazing. It looks like a really cool setting for a trick. The idea yeah. of being in Freud's psychoanalyst table. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then, like, the background falls away really nicely yeah, to reveal the real screen. I thought that it looked great. Like, considering all the other tricks we've seen him do, which is just wearing turbans, essentially. Um, I think they did all the budget on that for the season. Yeah. Well, that's, it's, I always think this as well. It's like, do they just, they must film all those at the same time for this show, for the series, Yeah, it's maybe. got to be in the theatre, haven't they? So maybe. Because you're I filming that during the day at a working theatre, aren't you, probably? Yeah, yeah. Or uh, something that's off-season or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Um yeah, that's pretty good. I like I like that. Those are really good ones. Um, most British thing, String Fellows. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I haven't put that, but yeah, absolutely. As, as a as a club, like for people who don't know, String Fellows is it's not quite a strip club. It's British more, Playboy. Yeah, like British Playboy Mansion, maybe kind of, but the just way. in a really crap way, like a pound shop thing. Is that what it is? It, it's a it's a bar, but there's pole dancing. Yeah, yeah, pole dance. I, I is it still open? I know where it used to be. It used to be just off Oxford Street as well. Yeah, it's still still there. It's got to be still there. Uh, he's dead, right? Peter I was just going to ask you the same thing. I'm going to check. I think he is dead, but the club lives on. Um, but Stringfellas used to be, it'd be, yeah, always be in like tabloid uh, newspapers and things like that, where it'd be like people coming out of Stringfellas. So I think it's less of a an actual strip club and more of a high-end club that happens to have scantily clad ladies in it i i don't know what goes up behind closed doors but that's uh that yeah it's definitely a british thing string british institution that is <laughs> um I I've also- she's, she's so excited to go as well string fellows oh can we oh, poor lady so horrible the way um opening a scene with a massive photo of dave winton <laughs> i've put that I've, I've also put winton jason forsyth and Deck, Kemp. Yeah. <laughs> is, like, I guess, are they, is it meant to be some kind of like like high production profile production house that happens to make eyes and ears? Eyes um, and ears has its own office. Yeah. It. 
which is weird because then it because I think in the next episode actually Brendan has a different hat on implying called yeah. who's on autopsy mm. um, implying he makes several shows I mean that's a past one but it, it's got its own space within that building I like the photos behind Brendan where he's meeting Quentin Tarantino yeah <laughs> they're actually decent oh. photoshops they're not bad <laughs> um, that's, all, that's all I've got for that is it British but getting a sticker when investigating a crime scene <laughs> to see some like, shit like going to the dentist Dent- <laughs> I think in America you get a lanyard or something they just get a fucking sticker put on them you've done good detecting today you have there you go, there you well go. Done. <laughs> oh your first crime scene yeah that's a good point actually stickers odd because I get I, like you get stickers when you do like backstage stuff but yeah. it's weird that you just have a sticker where's your sticker come on um, sure, yeah, sticker. I feel like you'd have to have some ID or something. It like seems that. so distinctly crap and British that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um, okay, in that, all right. I, I, I've, I've put the entire treatment of Velma yeah. because whatever you think of it, whatever they portray her as being this sort of greedy lady, she, she does choke to death on her own vomit, and they, they go, oh well, immediately move on. And that's it. And I just think that doesn't ref- it doesn't reflect well on Klaus, but we know that he's a shit, so it wouldn't. But it really doesn't reflect badly on Jonathan, who, no matter what, he did just speak to someone yet last night who is now not on Earth. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't seem to bother him Also, one she's jot. vomited on a big night out after going out with Adam. Has he indirectly hmm. killed her? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? But also as well, if you remember... It was Jonathan's uh, suggestion to go to Stringfellows. Had he not suggested it, Velma could be still be alive. Who's the real murderer? Jonathan. Exactly. It's definitely Jonathan. Ted Ponovic's statements are a bit not all right. He says, which one's more to blame, the prostitute or a client? Oh, yeah, that's insane. And all his views on criminal uh, corporal punishment. I guess that's all. But yeah. he's, the, he's the killer, so I guess in general he's not all right. But just kind of slightly outdated views. It is kind of, uh, it's kind of strange because you just go, with this because i've been so peek behind the curtain series one to three i know really well it's like my comfort thing i put it on all the time so when we've come to be doing these i've been re-watching them but re-watching them at my desk and you know like taking notes and stuff for the all these ones because i know these less i've been watching them like i would watch them on telly so i watch them like of an evening i do have my laptop with me taking notes but i'll watch them just normally as if I'm enjoying them and stuff. And I do think as you're watching them um, with stuff like, oh, he's into gadgets. I didn't remember this episode, but I was like, well, it's fucking him then, isn't it? Like, And from the start, you just go, it's got to be him. But it's written in such a way that it th- there's nobody else that it could be. And it doesn't feel satisfying because he's like, well, yeah, because you had him be a prick through this entire episode. So I was always, I was, I was only... <laughs> suspecting him because that's the only fucking person you showed me <laughs> yeah or just hearing you talk about that now makes me think this episode is more obsessed with who did the crime rather than yeah. how it was done yeah because yeah, yeah. yeah we, we use this episode a lot like Rokesmith and stuff don't really care that Rokesmith did it no. the cool thing is how he does it in that episode and Absolutely, that's what I remember yeah. most whereas this is that is the weakest part of this episode yeah for sure uh, let's open up the grot cabinet <laughs> Full cock and balls. You don't often see it. <laughs> it's so rare that you see a dick on TV, just in general. Well, 
full cock and balls with pubes. Pubes, yeah. On a Saturday night. You can't say that British people are uptight sexual, sex-wise. That would with, never happen in America, would it? No, it's, that's mad, that is. Why is that a thing? That streaker does not need to be there. As you say, the streaker's only introduced so you can streak through a funeral at the end. Poor Velma. Is because it, it's, I guess, they get away with it because it's entirely non-sexual. Yes. That's how you can get away with it. But mm. you do, you're running about, it's moving. Yeah. It's is in motion. You see it twice. Like, you probably see it. And, um, it's more than Gone Girl. Yeah, absolutely. You don't need to pause it. It's just like, I don't need to pause it because I'm just watching it. Um, if I paused it, it'd be less impactful because I wouldn't be able to see it swinging. Uh, <laughs> but I think Jonathan chucking him out is, is a pretty nice touch. Jonathan really forceful with him. Yeah, that's the first we've ever seen him like that. I do think Jonathan in this episode feels a bit different, a bit changed. Yeah. He does seem, he's got a bit more of a sharpness to him, I think. And obviously a lot of stuff has happened in the last couple of years and he's had his heart broken, he's had a relationship with Carla, but he does have Mm. a bit more toughness to him, I think. Yeah, definitely. I I think so, for sure. Um, I think he's good like that. That's all I got for Grot Cabinet. Yeah. Shut that down. Shut that down. And I guess like, yeah, we've been doing a Jonathan and Maddie update. We, we can't just keep doing would this episode be better with Maddie McGowan in it because the answer is yes for all of them um, so I do like the idea of just where's, where's Jonathan romantically in this um, and we can give you an update on that but I think we've kind of touched on it a little bit with him and Carla I don't believe the relationship because she's just like unnecessarily angry with him all the time to the point where it's just laborious and it's like I don't like you two together and i'm not rooting for it. like you maddie and jonathan were fr- it was frustrating to watch but he was satisfyingly frustrating because and i know moments. i know what that dynamic is and i get it and i get why you both like each other and i get why you're both infuriated with each other i have no idea here i, I have no I, idea i think the episode tries to make out that they were happy together and yeah. it was going well and there's a heartbreak and there's a sadness to the fact that it ended over this misunderstanding. But you get no that. impression from Satan's Chimney or this of them being happy together. No. And without that, I don't think it really works because the Maddie and Jonathan thing was always a will they, won't they? This yeah. is put down to post-relationship tension now. But we've never yeah. had access to them even having good times. Yeah. So you've got all the frustration of the Maddie relationship without any of the hope no, and without any of the good moments. Yeah. And then the only tension that you do have is possibly not a nice one is would Carla cheat on Brendan? Oh yeah. Cause then that's not a good intriguing tension because if that does happen, it makes Jonathan a shit and makes, makes Jonathan a an shit. absolute shit. I think that's again, part of the reason that Brendan is portrayed as such an ass. We, but he's not played portrayed in enough of an ass that if Jonathan cheated on you'd be like yeah well he's a prick so it's fine yeah, like, he's that, not, that's a very outdated thing that is he's got some what I would refer to as bellend traits yes. but he's quite nice to Carla and he's, yeah. he just seems distracted and maybe not always present I think that's a really hard that's thing with nice. with any romantic comedies where if someone is in a relationship, this is why I always, you can tell a really bad romantic comedy because if the tension is, oh, well, this person's already with someone, they have to make that someone a dickhead, which then makes you trust the person who's with them less because you're just like, why are you with such a dickhead? Now, yeah. I see that as a failing of yours. 
Yeah. Um, and I always like, when I was a kid, I used to love The Wedding Singer, um, like the Adam Sandler film. And I do think it is a good film, but I watch that so differently as an adult now because um, Julia's, uh, who Drew Barrymore's husband or fiance is the biggest dickhead. And you just think he's such a cartoon dickhead that there's yeah. no way that Drew Barrymore can't see it. And you're just like, it makes me like Drew Barrymore less. And therefore now it makes me root for them getting together way less. So the impact of the entire film is completely ruined for me now. Because I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> He's an idiot for going out with her. Because I don't trust her <laughs> judgment whatsoever. Look who she's been with for four years. So you were wild. a big fan of Jonathan Creek and Wedding Sing at the same time. Were you drawn to that kind of leading man? With <laughs> <Yeah>. her... <laughs> it's yeah. A small, like a, a perm. <laughs> Who's your favourite footballer? Kevin Keegan. <laughs> oh, can we? On the next episode, we're faced with hair that can grow back after it's been cut off. No, seriously, that is the mystery in angel hair. Up the Creek is produced by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about games, movies, basically anything fun, including 23-year-old BBC shows about a magician's assistant who lives in a windmill. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG.